today. I know that you have designs on playing in a couple of weeks at the PNC Championship. Mm-hmm. In fact, you and Charlie are set to go because there's a golf cart there. So yep. it's been a long time since you've uh, tasted the competition. Yeah, it's unfortunately that's been kind of the, the way it has been in the last few years. Um, the the bodies is not what it used to be, and um, you know it's, it's just the reality of it all. But um, but I, I can I can play out of the cart, which is great, and I'm looking forward to playing with my son and just having a blast with him. Um, those are moments that you, you never, ever forget. And um, to have the Lacavas there right alongside uh, Father, Son, and we have the Woods as our Father, Son. I mean, it's a priceless week. Tell you what, Eamon, outside of the major championships and maybe right beside the major championships, the PNC Championship means so much to Tiger Woods at this point in his life and career. We really saw that when he came back from the car crash to play there last year with Charlie. And you can tell just from the way he's talking about the rustiness of his game, the rustiness of his body using the cart. He's going to ride Charlie like a pack mule <laughs> all week long in Orlando, um, which is great to see because, you know, it, it, it's highly entertaining golf to watch those two together and just how much they imitate each other unwittingly, even yeah. in their body language. But at least we've got some Tiger Woods through the fall because in the winter, because there's only really one man who makes winter golf particularly relevant, mm. and, and that's Tiger Woods. We'll see him in the match with Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth and uh, Justin Thomas next week. That's at 12 holes under floodlights. We're going to see him for two days mm. at PNC. Get some measure of how he looks physically and how the game looks. I know he wanted to play this week, cannot because of the plantar fasciitis, but even in telling us that he couldn't play this week, there was a hint of the old Tiger, the competitor, saying it's almost because he worked too hard that he took himself out of this week. What did you learn or hear from that statement that he's been working so hard on his body, he still thinks that there are greater weeks ahead even beyond these December tournaments. And the fact that he talked about in 2023, the goal is to play the majors, one or two other events, possibly the the Genesis Invitational that benefits his foundation Mm. out at Riviera in February, he's not showing up to make up the numbers. Tiger still thinks that he can, if he catches, as he said, lightning in a bottle, he can still put himself in the mix there, and he's just going to push the body and the game as, as far as he can to be able to put himself mm. in that position. He's, he's going to have to get lucky. He's going to need a little help. Sure. I think when you're playing so seldom, it's hard to be in, in a kind of top-notch competitive sure. game like that. But, you know, he certainly doesn't think that he's there just for numbers. Yeah. He's not punching the clock. Mm. I'll put nothing past that man. Tiger Woods not in the field this week, but a lot of players who look up to him are. Say hello to Todd Lewis, who's on the ground for us in the Bahamas. Todd, let's start with the conditions. It sounds like it could be another difficult day for the players. Yeah, rain really not that much in the forecast. This front that is hitting our area actually moved a little south to take most of the precipitation out. You might have a shower here, but wind is the big factor today. We're looking at sustained winds 20 to 25 miles per hour throughout the entire afternoon with gusts getting up into the low to mid 30s. So it's going to be a very challenging day in regards to wind for these players and the caddies. I talked to Shane Lowry and he said that he's very excited that they are going to play the ball up once again, lift clean in place because of all the rain they've had this week. They did so in round number one. He said he's excited because they're going to be doing a lot of chipping around these greens. He said, if I can hit 10 greens today, I'm going to be ahead of the curve. Um, Not only are the 
the conditions where you're playing lift clean in place, the greens are going to be slower as well because of the wind. They did not double cut and double roll the greens here because they didn't want to have them too fast with all these with all this wind and risk the chance of a ball moving on the green. So players are going to have to adjust to slower green speeds as well. Any number today in the 60s is going to be a fantastic number for the Hero World Challenge, guys. Todd, there's an intriguing tea time going out 50 minutes from now. Two guys who fought it out here last year, Colin Morikawa and the eventual winner, Victor Hovland. They're two guys who seem to be looking for a little bit of form lately. Yeah, they have been. We've been talking about it not only on Golf Today, but at Golf Central as well. Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa have not had their best stuff over the last few months. As for Victor Hovland, he tried to incorporate a right-to-left shot, a draw into his, his game. His natural ball flight is a fade, and that has really affected his consistency. I talked to him prior to the opening round. He didn't really have a whole bunch of optimism about his game heading into the Hero World Challenge, but that changed yesterday, and I asked him after his round, what was the difference in that opening round compared to the rest of the week? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's just golf a little bit. Um, you know, you show up at a tournament and, you know, everything that you're working on or the th thoughts that you have kind of go away a little bit. You just have to kind of look at the shot and, and play golf. And um, I, I've kind of usually been a gamer. Uh, if I play, play like crap in practice, I usually play a little bit better in tournaments. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a good thing, but um, we, we've still got some work to do. Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa not only playing together, they are staying together here at Albany. Hovland staying with not only Colin Morikawa, but also Colin's now wife, Kat. They are sharing space here at Albany. Colin Morikawa, just like Victor, has been struggling this year. Um, and if you look back at what happened last year, this is a place that he really wants to correct a mistake from last year. He had a five-shot lead heading into the final round, but ultimately shot a 76 and lost his tournament. And I asked him after his 69 on Thursday if what happened last year was motivation here this week. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, not just, you know, what happened last year, but kind of what happened all throughout this entire year of 2022. You know, it's been, it's been pretty frustrating on the course. And, and even when I've hit great shots and I've had decent events, it's been frustrating. And you just can't play golf like that. You can't live life like that. And, um, I feel like I'm in a lot better place, um, kind of starting at Mayakoba, ending through the playoffs. But uh, Mayakoba, I did a really good job on the course of just, you know, accepting what's out there. And uh, that's been really hard this entire year because I felt like, you know, I should should be winning when, when granted, you know, you got to earn it. And, um, you know, it's... Hopefully we can kind of right the ship again and, uh, you know, turn things around here. With that attitude, does that free you up a little bit on the course in your mind? Absolutely. I, I think it just allows me to hit my shots, and if it's bad, it's bad. You know, I've, I was never someone to really stick to the results so much and, and, you know, stick to every single shot, but that's what ended up happening this year. And, you know, sometimes you just blink and a whole year goes by and uh, it happens. But, you know, hopefully I can learn a lot from this year. I, I think I really did, and uh, I think we're, we're headed back with a lot better mindset. Um, come, you know, this event and into next year. A significant equipment change for Colin Morikawa as well. For the first time since 2017, he has a brand new whole set of irons in his bag. He went to his manufacturer, went through the whole fitting process, helped design uh, part of these prototype irons. He says with these irons, he feels like he's got tighter dispersion patterns, really played well yesterday. We'll see if he plays well today. And as I mentioned, recently married one other thing about Colin. Um, 
it's a question all of us husbands have. Do you play golf with the wedding ring on or off? He said he tried to hit some balls with the wedding ring on, but he decided he couldn't. He didn't like the feel he's taking the wedding ring off as he plays in competition. He says he hopes his wife understands. <laughs> Great stuff from Todd Lewis. I play with my wedding ring on. I shoot about the same scores I did before I was married. Great stuff, Todd, with his ear to the ground. I tell you what, there's a lot to chew on, I think, even with one round under our belts. What's the biggest storyline in your mind so far? I'm just intrigued by this Davids and Goliath scene that we have at the top of the leaderboard. And for a while yesterday, it looked as though the Davids were outpacing the Goliaths. You've got guys like Tom Kim, the youngest guy in the field, working his way up to potentially superstardom in this game. Sepp Straka, who won the Honda earlier this year, has a very low-key character. And then suddenly there, later in the day, you got the defending champion, Hovland, coming in right behind him. And then Morikawa finding some game. And it's easy to forget that when he went into that final round a year ago with the five-stroke lead, had he come out on top that day, he would have been the world number one. That's right. Right now, Colin Morikawa's 10th in the rankings. His putting contributed to that slide over the last year. And he started working with Stephen Sweeney, putting coach, after the CJ Cup and just before he got to... Mayakoba, where he had one of his better finishes in, in quite a while, a top 15 finish there. And I asked Stephen Sweeney this morning what they're working on, and he said it, it's purely alignment. His shoulders mm. were too open, the ball position was too far forward. Marka was starting to show results in just actually having a structure to how he goes about practicing and actually putting on the golf course because he'd never had a putting coach before in his life. And I think we're starting to see some encouraging results from that. Isn't it fascinating, though? This is someone who made his first 22 PGA Tour cuts. He won two majors and his first eight majors played. It's not as if he was struggling in the start of his career. And we were talking about it before the show. It'll be fascinating to me because sometimes you, you add, you know, a voice to the mix, and now you're thinking about something where before it was more feel. Didn't look like he needed a putting coach when he was getting up and down you know, on the way to winning that second major championship, uh, you know, at, at, uh, at the Open Championship. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to watch. I'm just saying that, you know, not all added information is, is, a, is a good thing necessarily when you're an artiste, uh, as Colin Morikawa is. That's true, but when I talked to Stephen Sweeney when he first started working with Morikawa, he said that Colin could not tell you what he did when he was putting well, mm. nor could he identify what wasn't working when he was putting poorly. Okay. And to have at least a baseline established for how you go about your process, yeah. then made it a little easier to try to adjust on the fly. He's always been a streaky putter. He's at St. George's. He putted lights out that week, but he we've did. seen him miss some painful short ones over his career as well. But they all come in, I think, with a certain artistry versus technique early in their career. I'm just, I can't imagine that you are not excited to see Tom Kim at the top of the leaderboard because you've just been riding that kid for I, as long as he's been out here. I was an early investor, <laughs> as I like to say. And, and yes, this is someone who's 20 years of age and still seems to be in that, that age of innocence. You know, you talk about the start of his career, first player since Tiger Woods to win twice before the age of 21. Two and three at the President's Cup was absolutely the heart and soul and spirit of that team. Someone who was 131st in the official World Golf ranking at the end of 2021. And now he's 15 ahead of the likes of Shane Lowry and Hideki Matsuyama and Tommy Fleetwood. And meeting Tiger Woods this week and, you know, talking about it and the smile that he had on his face, I just think he continues to be a big storyline and maybe an underappreciated storyline when 
a lot of sports fans are paying attention to the NCAA football and, yeah. and the NFL. I think had these uh, hot six months happen January to June as opposed to July to December, he might have even more star power than he does right now. And wasn't that an endearing level of enthusiasm he had? He was almost awestruck when he met Tiger Woods. This is a guy who's won twice on the tour in the last six months, and he was completely awestruck mm. to get a fist bump from Tiger Woods <laughs> yeah. the other day. Really is a sign that he is a superstar in the making. Well, yeah, for, reminder, more, for more on Tom, let's head out to uh, Albany one more time. Todd Lewis has a report. Yeah, to follow up on what Eamon was talking about, he has been walking on cloud nine here at the Hero World Challenge. So honored that Tiger Woods asked him to play in this event, and not only that, but to be a part of this elite field, 15 of the top 20 in the world. He really does feel like he has arrived. He's very proud of the belief that he's had in himself. Uh, to make it on the PGA Tour, not only to make it, but to win twice now. In regards to this tournament, well, he didn't see the entire course this week until yesterday. He, he didn't even see holes six through nine in his practice rounds due to the weather. But on his bags, Joe Scovran, who's a longtime caddy out here on the PGA Tour, was on Ricky Fowler's bag for a number of years, helped Ricky actually win the Hero World Challenge here at Albany uh, a few years back. And Tom told me that he is playing so well right now that he just listens to Joe, and Joe tells him where to hit it, and he hits it there, and it worked out beautifully yesterday with that bogey-free 69. We'll see if it continues today in tougher conditions. Yeah, Tilu, great anecdote uh, yesterday. His playing partner, Cam Young, reportedly walked off the 17th green after Tom Kim got up and down and told his dad, Dave, hey, this guy's apparently allergic to birdies. <laughs> or, or, or allergic, I should say to bogeys. That was an anecdote from Doug Ferguson of the Associated Press. And he's got uh, a little bit of form on his side as well. His last start was actually at the Dunlop Phoenix Tournament in Japan where he tied for fourth. What you're seeing out of him this week and what we saw at the President's Cup is that attitude can be a heck of a weapon out there. I, I've, as I said, I've been on the train early. I welcome everyone else. There's still plenty of room on the Tom Kim train. I might join you there eventually. <laughs> a reminder, the second round coverage the Hero World Challenge is coming at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Stick around. Steve Sands, he's on the call this week. He'll join us. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com.
T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With more from the Bahamas, let's welcome in our friend and colleague, Steve Sands. Sands, you always good to spend some time with you. You know, you've seen Albany in the best of days, island weather, light breezes. How difficult has it been for the players in these conditions? Oh, this would be a great day to be you, Damon. A shaved head would be a fantastic <laughs> operation uh, when the wind is blowing 25 to 30 miles per hour. You know, for six years, Damon, the weather's been pretty much perfect here for the Hero World Challenge, and this day uh, is going to be really, really challenging. And I was just talking to Andrew Miller uh, and Pete Datchison, uh, two of the great rules officials on the PGA Tour, and they're set up perfectly for this. Uh, Robbie Ware, another rules official, has said as he's made his way around the back nine here that the green speeds are perfect. They're in the mid-10s on the stimp, you know, maybe to 11 max, because they know that that ball, Damon, will not rest uh, if the wind kicks up the way it has been and way it should be and forecasted the rest of the afternoon. Those green speeds are key because that ball has to come to rest. So they set it up that way. They're not, you know, rolling and double cutting and those kinds of things. Uh, they're making sure they're doing the right things. And right now, uh, everything is fine. But those the greens that are exposed, Damon, like 3, 7, 11, 17, uh, they're going to be challenging today for sure. Steve, I'm curious if you're surprised by anything you saw yesterday because we saw a couple of guys like Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, who'd been struggling, seemed to find a little bit of form. Then you've guys like Jordan Spieth, who was dead last in the field. John Ram, he was over par as well. Was there anything that particularly stood out to you in yesterday's action? I don't know, Eamon. It's a great question. I always think that when you're playing December golf, it's an incredible reward. You've had a phenomenal season. Um, and this is one of the fruits of that. And, you know, a guy like John Rahm, who's played very well in the fall, um, you would think that he would be uh, coming in here in good form. Um, and then there are other guys who come here who don't play uh, a lot in the fall, and you figure that they're going to have to ease their way into the weeks. So we saw a lot of up and down uh, yesterday from a guy like Jordan Spieth. Look, Eamon, the week before Labor Day was the tour championship. Since the week before Labor Day, that's, that's the middle, late August. You know, here we are in December. Jordan Spieth played in the President's Cup, and he played in the CJ Cup. That's it. So you expect a guy like Jordan to kind of have an up-and-down round like him. You do not expect guys who are coming in here in good form to play that way. But, you know, you never know in this sport from one day to the next. Uh, I'm looking forward to see how the next three days play out for guys like those guys. Steve, speaking of John Rahm, how much traction did his comments get about this year ultimately being good for golf and good for the golf fan? Do you see his point? I do. I, I see his point. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with all of it, um, but that's not for me. I mean, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares what my opinion is. Uh, I think what John Rahm has done, Damon and Eamon, and you guys both know this because you guys are around the guys just like we are, I think John is kind of stepping out into the forefront a little bit. Not quite the way Rory has uh, through this whole process uh, and not nearly uh, as impactful as Tiger Woods has been when he's had the chance to speak uh, his opinions outwardly. Uh, but John has been very vocal. Uh, John's a bright guy. He's a great player. Uh, he works hard. He understands the nuances, not only Damon of the PGA Tour, but also wants to protect himself on the other side of the Atlantic on the European Tour, the DP World Tour. Uh, I find John to be fascinating to be around on and off camera, and I think his opinions do have some traction. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how the whole thing plays out. 
uh, over the next few months and over the next couple of years. Uh, but for sure, people are listening to John Rahm, not that they weren't before, but absolutely people are listening to his opinions. And you saw that Tiger kind of touched on what John said, saying he agreed with him as far as the official World Golf Ranking point. Speaking of Tiger's press conference on Tuesday, Steve, he seemed much more outspoken than we've typically seen Tiger over the years, who doesn't really get into the, the politics of the game very much. Were you surprised that he, he's assumed this kind of leadership position? And I'm curious if that dynamic around the game and Tiger's comment has in any way changed the vibe, because it's normally a pretty relaxed, low-key week in the Bahamas. Has it, does it feel any more tense or that people are weary of this kind of discussion going on around the game all the time? Now, no tension whatsoever, uh, and I also think that Tiger, uh, I've always thought that Tiger had an amazing understanding of his responsibility in the sport. Uh, when he was the best player on the planet, and he's still, even though he's not the best player on the planet, he still was the most popular, and he's just the biggest name in this sport, maybe in, in all of sports still, because when he speaks, everybody listens, and, and I think as the maturation process has taken place from when he was in his 20s and came out of Stanford to all the way to now in his upper 40s. Uh, he clearly can't play uh, the way he used to. He clearly can't move around the way he used to. Uh, and as he's aged, I think, and his, he's taken himself away from the competitive uh, part of the sport, I think he has, you know, grown more comfortable with answering questions uh, that perhaps he wouldn't have answered, you know, when he was playing, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I think that, no doubt about it, the guys today look up to Tiger. He is their hero. And when Tiger spoke yesterday uh, with us in the booth and then also a couple of days ago in his press conference, Eamon, I just find it great that he is comfortable and speaking his mind because the three of us ask questions of athletes for a living. You know, we cover sports for a living, this sport in particular, golf right now. And I find it refreshing when an athlete, especially an athlete in his stratosphere, there are very few of them. I find it refreshing when they answer honestly and openly and give their opinion, whether it's a, a social issue or whether it's, you know, if they want to go down the political realm, whether you agree with it or not, but in the sports world, I think that Tiger understands his words and understands the meaning of his words. And I find that to be incredibly refreshing. I really enjoyed listening to him yesterday in our booth, and I enjoyed listening to him speak. Again, agree or disagree, I enjoyed hearing him speak openly and honestly on Tuesday when he was at the podium over here in the media center. Well, there has been a lot to talk about in 2022, as you know. As the year comes to a close, what story or person or player or tournament stood out most to you this year? Oh, man, Damon. I mean, look, look, who am I to tell you? You're the journalism guy. You were at the New York Times and Sports Illustrated. You, you know, you're way smarter than me and, and Eamon with his journalistic background as well. But in this sport, I cannot imagine that there was a bigger story than what's going on at the highest level between a rival league and the established PGA Tour, all the opinions that have come in, not only from internally in this sport and the golf ecosystem, but also from other athletes and from other sponsors and from other people uh, in the world of sports. And I would imagine that that would be story number one if you were writing a year in review, uh, and I'm probably going to stick with that. Whether you like it or not, 
It is a massive, massive story what is going on uh, at the highest level in this sport. And, uh, and again, I, I can't stand saying the same phrase over and over again, but we have to see how it all plays out because this, this script has not finished just yet. Yeah, the story has not yet completely been written. Great stuff from Steve Sands. We'll see him at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, round two coverage. For have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. From the Hero folks. Back on golf today, second round of the Hero World Challenge is underway in the Bahamas. Not an official PGA Tour event. Players are not earn official money or FedEx Cup points, but they do receive world ranking points. You see that countdown clock for our coverage at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Golf Central pregame follows us at noon Eastern Time. Now, world number 10, Colin Morikawa. Off to a pretty strong start on Thursday. Six birdies in his round, including this at 11 a.m. Yeah, he ranked eighth in putts per green in regulation yesterday, which is a little bit better than the field average. Yeah, so looking for his first win, though, of 2022. 22 starts at six top ten finishes, his best finish to tie for second at the Genesis Invitational. He spoke on his year after round one. So much of this year was, like, frustrating, right? And when I was on the golf course, every shot was frustrating, even when I hit a good one. And um, I would say I did a really good job in Mayakoba earlier this year, or you know, a month ago, um, and I did a really good job this time. And this is kind of just how I've been playing, you know, when I first turned pro is just trusting what I'm doing and going out and, you know, hitting the shots when they're properly out there. As we see Colin on the range, you know, last year you had that five-shot lead aim, and you'll recall, needed to win to reach world number one, shot 76, three starts in the fall, T-15 is best finish. Talked about not seeing enough fades when he played at the U.S. Open at the Country Club, was hitting a two-yard draw. Where do you see Colin at this time with a new putting instructor in tow? This is one of those situations where you can't really go by much on statistics. The shot gains, shots, strokes gained putting statistics, I should say, at this time of the year. Because where Colin has played, the data gathering has been fairly inconsistent. There was none at the Zozo Championship in Japan where he played. And it was kind of piecemeal at Mayakoba, mm. where he also played. But if you look at the strokes gain putting, Colin Morikawa is ranked 222nd on the PGA Tour. There are only two players 
ranked below him in that category. And that's just not a fair reflection of what Colin Morikawa's putting has been. And I would expect that we'll see more improvement on it in the work with Stephen Sweeney, where they've talked about the idea of building structure around how he prepares, how he practices, so that a baseline is established where he knows why he's putting well. He can also react when he's not putting well and understand what that is. But it, it has been a, a frustrating year for him. He could have gone to number one with that victory here a year ago. Mm. Right now, he's number 10 in the world. He hasn't won since uh, winning the Open Championship a year and a half ago. Uh, he's one of those guys you just assume there are better days ahead. Yeah, you do. And also in that interesting scenario a few weeks ago with Trevor Immelman, who I think was talking more about the pace of the start of Colin Morikawa's career as mm -hmm. opposed to the ceiling, maybe a little bit of a miscommunication there. What did you see that? Because Colin was upset by those comments. Trevor obviously reached out and, and there's no issues now. But, you know, when you win two majors in your first eight played, when you make 22 straight PGA Tour cuts and they're your first 22 starts, only Tiger better with 25. I mean, that is a hard pace to maintain. I thought that was an argument over nomenclature, really. Yes. Did, what Trevor, I think, was referring to is that Colin had set a very high bar against which he's obviously going to be judged. That's not necessarily the ceiling uh, of what Colin Morikawa is capable of at all. It's going to be really interesting to see how he plays this week with a full new set of irons in the bag, mm. because that has always been the kind of dominant statistic in Colin Morikawa's makeup is his strokes gained approach. He's just one of the finest iron players we've seen in, in a generation in this game. So it would be really interesting to see what he does this week. You know, he's, he's, the wedding is over. He's, he said in a press conference yesterday, at least he doesn't have to spend 20 seconds of every conversation explaining when it's happening, who's on the guest mm. list, what's, what's the deal with it. So he's, everything's in the background now in terms of the, the, the noise around, I guess, getting married, getting life straightened out. Now he's got to get his game straightened out a little bit. And this is a perfect example of, of a course where he, you can measure him against last mm. year when he was playing at a level that's better than he's played this year. And let's see where he uh, delivers over the next couple of days. Is he a tier one major championship contender? Oh, yeah. In your mind going into 2023, especially with the U.S. Open in Los Angeles, not far from where he grew up. Absolutely. I think he was a tier one contender this year mm. as well. He just, the fact that he didn't get it done. I mean, he's John Rahm didn't get it done this year in any of the majors or, or even in the players either. But there's a very small list of guys everyone's going to notice where they are on the leaderboard at major championships, regardless of how they play. Colin Markow mm. is one of them. Off to a good start in the Bahamas. You see him. Tea time, 11.58 a.m. alongside Victor Hovland after an opening round of 69.